Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you joining us online who don't know me, I'm Dwight Jackson. I'll be serving as interim pastor while um, our board does a search for a pastor. Uh, so be in prayer for them about that. Uh, and I always appreciate you praying for me in, in these days, in any days, but especially in these days. So <clears throat> just a few announcements. Um, if you're joining us uh, at a distance, uh, you have the same opportunity to go on our website and fill out our family life card. Those of you here, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, please, there's a, a card in the back of the chair in front of you. Uh, fill those out. We'd like to have a, a record of your attendance and get to know you better. A uh, couple of announcements. There are two more Tuesdays in which we are providing lunches for the Whiteside uh, community. So be sure and join us here on Tuesday morning this week at 11.15 so that we can get those things ready and get them delivered. Um, Tuesday night, we'll continue with um, prayer time at 7. Pay attention to the, your email and, and be sure and join us for that. And we're a little over halfway finished with our study of Deuteronomy that's at 6.30 on Wednesday nights, also at a distance. So be sure and join us. We still need uh, a few more volunteers to help us on Sunday mornings. So let the church office know uh, if you're going to be available uh, on Sunday mornings to help us with uh, processing folks in and, and making sure we all stay as safe as possible. So Kathy, I believe, has an announcement. Good morning. Um, I am announcing that we are having church board elections next Sunday. According to the manual, we have to announce that to the congregation for two Sundays. So Rick did it last week. I'm doing it this week. So to let you know, church board elections will be next Sunday, August the 9th. You may vote for the church board if you are a member of this church and you are age 15 or older. Um, we are going to have voting set up out in the foyer. Karen Dissett will be out there to uh, lead that. Um, according to the manual, you may not vote absentee, so you have to come here and vote in person. So what we are doing, for those who are not comfortable with coming to the morning worship service, we will, the polls will be open until one o'clock. <laughs> and so um, for anybody who comes to church, Karen will be out there for you to vote afterwards. But for those who want, they can come to the church up until one o'clock and you can vote for the church board. If you have any questions, just let me know. Thanks. All right, I'm going to ask you to, to stand with me. Um, and we're going to be reading our psalm this morning from Psalm 108. I believe it was, that we've got a mistake, and at least on my paper it says 103. Do we have 108? No, 103. Then that's fine. Listen. My heart is steadfast, O oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody, awake my soul. Awake, O oh harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O oh Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is higher than the heavens. And your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Join me in prayer. 
with these words stirring our hearts, Lord, we are reminded that of all the distractions and things that will cause our focus in life to be dispersed, you remain constant. You provide for us the things we need in the course of our life. And you ask us to love you and to love each other in return. So this day, as we come to worship, we do so knowing we need your presence and we need the inspiration of the Spirit to open our time to, 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 to charge the songs and then bring your words to life so that we will sense that we are in your presence. And for that we pray. Amen. Let us invite you to join me in prayer as we remember those in our community and our church family and others that you know in need. Let us pray. Father, it's this time in our worship in which we can most comfortably come to you knowing that you know our needs even before we bring them to you. Yet you desire for us to lay them before your feet, knowing that you will see us through them. Lord, we have many people dealing with health issues, as, which is frequently so, but even more now. And not only are we dealing with them, we're afraid of them. And they're causing us to live our lives in ways that we're not accustomed. So, Lord, we just pray that your hand will be felt in this time of fear. Lord, we're afraid to send our kids to school. Teachers are afraid to, to plan or what, to know what to do with, with if they're teaching in school. We have people that aren't able to work. And we have people now that have less income to take care of their needs. Lord, we live in a world that seems to literally be fraying at every edge. In the midst of the fraying, Lord, may we remember the woman that was healed because she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Nothing more. Our faith is with you, and we know that it is well with our soul. For this we give thanks in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Ushers will be at the doors at the end of the service to collect any offering you may have brought this morning. Uh, we know some of you take advantage of, of other means of giving, online giving, and so we are grateful to you for that. Um, I did a little figuring this morning. I hadn't thought about it. I, I mean, I'd had, had this occasionally, but just out of curiosity, got my calculator out and figured out that it's been 1,300 Sundays 
since I last stood in a pulpit as a pastor. Now, that just shows I'm really old. But, and I don't want you to get scared knowing that I missed out on almost 1,300 opportunities to preach and that I may feel the need to cram a lot in, you know, to, to the few opportunities I have here before we call someone. I'll resist that temptation. You are masked. So you resist the temptation to laugh at me silently. Okay? You see, I, I did that because as human beings, we desire order. In fact, we would like to look for permanence. And since permanence is not possible, we settle for stability. And in the midst of wanting to create stability, we often miss when change is occurring. And then it has to force itself into our lives before we other, otherwise notice. We'd just as soon not notice, wouldn't we? About 2,500 years ago, and you know this has got to be a, a Greek philosopher for it to be that long ago, but about 2,500 years ago, a Greek philosopher named Heraclitus said you cannot step into the same river twice because the waters are always constantly moving. Sure, you say. Of course, that's obvious. It isn't if we don't stop to think about it. How many times have we gone to to our favorite place, and we don't think about the, at a, at a river. I, most of my fishing growing up with my grandfather was on a river, um, and I never thought of once that it was different, unless there had been a flood or there had been something to, to change it. Ordinarily, we don't notice. But one thing Grandpa taught me is that when you're wading in a river, you better pay attention. Because sometimes there are eddies under the water, and they'll eat out some of the gravel, and you've, you may have been in that hold the water before, but you may step in over your head if you're not careful. Well, would you stand with me? We're going to look at Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars and breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. In his temple, all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with shalom. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. 
We've stepped into a new river today, into a new church. The flow of our collective story requires us to mark this day. Last Sunday, we said goodbye to the Lynns, to Pastor Aaron and Stephanie and the boys, because they're moving on to follow God's call as it continues in Florida. Many of us will remember the personal touches of their ministry when life needed a caring caress. Some of you will remember how they've shaped the public life of Belleville First and added meaning to our collective being. Many of us regret their leaving, and some of us are even experienced significant grief. I've already revealed that I'm old, so it's no surprise to you that my decades of pastoring would lead me to believe this is not all of the story. A few among us are pleased, even happy, that they've moved on to Florida. Now, don't worry. I don't have some secret mechanism by which I can tell where you sit along this continuum. But it only stands to reason that as a group of people, this is what we are experiencing in our new river. And I'm convinced that our reaction to this transition, as well as other things that we're going to experience, will set the stage for the next chapter of our congregational life. We're facing a change in the waters. It's a new river. And this alone would challenge us if we're simply our church. But that's not the case. Our world presents for us a multitude of rivers, new rivers for us, <coughs> that have stripped our life of any feeling of normalcy. And all around us, everybody's trying to tell us what the new normal looks like and that we should pay attention to it. And you know what? Our need for order and stability will lead us to the point in which we're willing to be deceived and accept a normalcy that doesn't exist. Normalcy before it arrives. So the truth is, we are waiting in waters. Some of us in rivers. Others of us in floods. It isn't just changes here at church, it's school. It's concerns about the safety for both our kids and our, and our teachers. It's about where we buy our groceries. For goodness sakes, empty ballparks don't keep ballplayers safe. Rivers. We can make a list of things that we used to take for granted and we cannot any longer. Healthcare, jobs, national history, even key parts of our culture are all being challenged this day and it feels like a flood. It does to me. I would assume at least to a few of you it does. This is the context in which we live right now, today. 
both individually and as a church. And the fact is, all the time our context has been constantly changing, but most of the time it appeared like a river that never changed every time we stepped into it, but really was. I bet if, you could have lived, if we could have lived long enough, you would have never noticed the, river, the Colorado River forming the Grand Canyon. But you notice now, don't you? When I speak of floods, and some of you were around here then, I remember the flood of 93. When whole towns disappeared when the water broke out of its banks. Pay attention. We're in dangerous waters. We need to monitor the world around us. And we need to engage it and see the change. But one thing we need to remember, we need to remember that it is God who manages the waters. It is God who is in our context, whether we recognize it or not. You remember Psalm 23? Lead me beside still waters. Well, it's going to be a while probably before the Lord gets us back to still waters. But it's God, that God, I would call us to remember this morning. I would also suggest that in the midst of, of being in these waters, we need to move forward. We need to have confidence that God will be there waiting for us in this near future. So I remind you of some other places where Scripture talks about water. Do you remember that it was the Spirit of God hovering over the chaotic waters of Genesis chapter 1 that resulted in creation? Do you remember that when the, the slaves had their back up against the sea, that the waters parted? Do you remember that Jonah's, flood, Jonah's trip was cut short because the waters became too violent? And nowhere and nothing that Jesus did revealed his divinity more than when he was roused from sleeping in that boat and calmed the waters. Oh, don't forget he walked on them too. We are children of this God that controls these waters. He controls this process. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he reminds us that he established a purpose for us. In Deuteronomy 4, chapters 4 to 8, he describes how we're to live in relationship to him and to each other. He redeems us when we fail to follow through on any of those things. He offers forgiveness to give us another start. He has assured our future. That still doesn't stop us from quivering sometimes. Just as the disciples did in the boat. We need to see life as a journey through troubled waters. 
We need to see that our goal is growth that occurs when we travel through troubled waters. Whether those waters are rivers, where we hardly notice the change, or floods where we can't avoid them. I used to work on, when I was in graduate school, I worked on railroad. Got me interested in railroads. So later, when I came across some studies about railroading, I took notice. I was working for the St. Louis San Francisco when it was bought out by the Burlington Northern. And what I found out was that in 1945, railroading in the United States had reached its peak. From 45 to 50, railroading was at the top of the world because of the added business and of both personnel and freight that occurred during the Second World War and immediately after. It was so much so that railroads were investing in their future and that they finally upgraded all of their um, rolling stock so that they did away with old wood burning and coal burning um, engines and went to diesel electric. They invested billions. What they didn't know was that we were going to elect a president by the name of Eisenhower. And Mr. Eisenhower had been out to see the world, not so much by his own choice, but he had been out to see the world. And when he was in Europe, lo and behold, he saw the Autobahns that the Germans had already built and how fast that, that troops could be moved and freight could be moved over these roads. And he came back and convinced the country and Congress, that we should create a system of interstates. By the middle 1960s, railroads were in trouble. A number of studies have been done to try to figure out why railroading went down so quickly. I've used it a number of times when I, when I teach about change in my classes at the university. And there was two characteristics, one, one, one factor, but it, two different ways that railroads process this. And it was how they saw themselves. It was their own self-image. A number of railroads believed themselves to be railroads. Stands to reason, doesn't it? Those railroads tended to go out of business. Other railroads tended to see themselves as transportation companies. And those were generally the ones that survived. Because their vision of themselves gave them latitude to change, to adapt. So, you see where I'm going with this. We all have these images of our church. There are many ways that we can see it. There are many uh, analogies and motifs that we can use. But how we see ourselves in this body of believers will impact the way that we embrace change because it is happening to us whether you want it to or not. And even if you wanted it to happen, it may not work out the way you planned. Adaptability may work well for us. So, some of us in this congregation may see the... Belleville First Church of the Nazarene as a chapel. Now, a chapel is a safe place. It's a place we can go and escape. 
in a chapel we can contemplate and we are restored. A chapel is a good place. It's a place where we go to feel safe, not so much challenge. A chapel is our place. Outsiders, beware. Uh, you may only be welcome over a considerable period of time, showing that you have the right attitude to be in our chapel. Some of us see our church as a lifeboat. Particularly pertinent when we're talking about troubled waters. Because a lifeboat gets us beyond danger. It gets us to a place where we can be safe. It comes with life jackets. Life jackets we call tradition. And these traditions enable us to ignore the changes that are around us. And the things that are being expected by us. And the waters of change can wash and bounce off our lifeboat. And we're protected. The only problem with lifeboats is that you got to land somewhere and change is inevitable. And we often get there without having changed, without having learned the lessons of the rivers and the lessons of the floods. Now, some of us see our church as a hospital, particularly a place where we come because we have not physical disease, even though that's been part of the church's portfolio in the past. We're primary, we pray for physical so we're still concerned about it, but we're also concerned about spiritual illness and healing spiritually. We are also concerned about emotional um, and relational issues and development. And in fact, we, we direct much of our ministry to children and youth to help prepare them for life to manage these very same issues. We are a hospital. Others may see this place as a, an advanced outpost. An advanced outpost for the kingdom of God. A place where we have to get new recruits. We have to train them for the jobs we, that's expected of them. We have to deploy them well. And we have to incorporate them into our plan for engagement. Every member in an outpost needs to see their role and their responsibility for keeping the place moving forward. Because at an outpost, none of us can escape having a, a role to do. And then we dispatch people out into the community to do kingdom work every week. Now, these aren't the only ways. Well, but they're enough to get you to see where I'm at. And so if you have other ways to see it, my goal for you this morning is I want you to begin thinking about how do you see this church? All of these are ways in which churches have functioned for centuries. My list of metaphors isn't complete. But face it. Face yours. Each has strengths, each has weaknesses. Assess them. Now, I've been around here long enough for you to know that my preferred metaphor is the kingdom outpost. I think it incorporates most of the strengths of the others and avoids many of their weaknesses. 
Now, such a church does not approach water with either a lifeboat or a cruise ship. A kingdom outpost needs a fleet of PT boats that maneuver well, even in rough waters. Now, as we dispense today, the rivers and floods are outside those doors waiting for us. So I want you to recall some things with me. I want you to recall that our text, Psalm 29, repeatedly talked about the voice of the Lord. The same voice that spoke and that Genesis 1 records it speaking and after it spoke, it was so. I want you to remember the still small voice because other noisy voices are clanging in our ears, on our television sets, on our radios, in any public place we might be, trying to create enough noise so that we pay more attention to them, and it isn't what we need to do. All of those voices need to be judged by that still, small voice. Rivers and floods present opportunities, as well as challenges. And if we have eyes to see, and ears to hear. We will find opportunities in these rivers and floods and that we find ourselves to develop and deepen our faith and to expand our service. So it might be well for us to remember the words that I read at the beginning. Psalm 108. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is higher than the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. That is the God who has called us into this place. That is the God who has established this congregation and has a future for us. We need to wade through the river and see what it is. Would you stand and pray with me? Lord, we will miss the Aaron's, the Aaron and Stephanie Lynn's. We will miss them. But we know that in this place you're taking them, you will use them. And for that, we are grateful. And we hope, Lord, that they're a better tool for you in Florida because they have been with us. And help us to realize that we're better tools for you because they have been with us. But let us always realize that the constant in all of this is you. That you will speak to us. You will speak to us in any situation 
And just because we're in the middle of a river or up to our necks in a flood, you're still speaking to us. Let us have ears to hear your voice. So take us from this place to serve you. Now hear Paul's words. Now to the God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writing is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. You're dismissed.